truth seekers, welcome back to another episode of That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens. My name's Jamie. My name is Bree, and we're two sides of the coin. Hey guys, so we've been gone for a little bit now. We've had to take a breather. Welcome, welcome back. Some shit's been going down in our personal lives. And we've just been getting ready for Contact in the Desert and stuff. So we've been working on our Patreon that's out for you guys now. And now that we're a little bit more calm and we're getting into the last uh, 13 days before. 13? I thought you said 30. 13, because technically this this will come out on that Friday. 13 days away from Contact in the Desert. Holy hell. Holy hell. Crazy. We've been waiting for this moment our whole lives. I've been waiting. So it just feels like forever. And then you get close to it. And then it's like, what? It's like right here already. I've just gotten used to waiting. Yeah. So let's start off by just talking a little bit about the things we want to see at Contact in the Desert. Mm. So I'm really stoked for this opening ceremony. They've never really had one before. No, I'm curious as to what it is. What is it going to be? And it's going to be on uh, June 1st, the Friday that we're there. Is is it going to be like the Olympics? Are we going to sing a song? Is there a (laughs) Do I need to bring a glow stick? Like, yeah, like I kind of want to know what's going on with these vibes. I know. It's probably going to be a really quick group meditation or something. I'm excited for it either They've always done like a morning yoga thing. Yeah, they do do that. I wonder if they're just going to slip this in right before and like everyone, you know, get together, grab hands, and let's just all bring in the celestial energies. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So I'm excited for that. Also, we are going to be hopefully living a majority of it and, you know, doing interviews and stuff. So you guys will be able to see everything that we have going on. One thing I'm excited about is the first night that we're there is going to be a meet and greet of just everybody gets together, I'm assuming, and like hangs out and gets drunk. So I'm excited for that. I'm just going to forewarn everybody that I will have a purse full of alcohol. So look for me. (laughs) We'll be friends. We're definitely going to hit up the lounge before, though. That is, this is in the lounge where the meet and greet is at is in the Ooh, lounge. Yeah. All access to all the alcohol that you prefer. Exactly. One thing I'm excited about is the Richard Dolan. He has a down the rabbit hole of false flags. Yes. Which I'm a big false flag fan, as everybody knows. I'm a big conspiracy person, so I'm I'm pretty excited for this first thing in the morning. Yes, he has a show, and it's called False Flags. And so for over a season now, he just goes into each different conspiracy of false flags you can ever imagine. And it's incredibly detailed. And he's just a very smart male in general. So I'm excited to sit down and listen to the lecture, hopefully stream it live for you guys. And hopefully if you guys have some questions that you want us to ask Richard, I will 100% corner him after and ask questions. Can we? I'm also pretty excited for the Secret Space Program panel. Also, I'm excited about, uh, hopefully we'll do night vision that night. Oh, we have to because we're we're busy Saturday. We're busy Saturday at the gala. Oh, at the gala. At the gala. There's a whole bunch of other things that are going to be in between. I really suggest if you aren't going, check out the schedule and the, the pamphlets and like tell us where you guys want us to be. Like what information are you interested in? Like what lectures sound interesting to you that you would want us to bring to you guys and like report back. Saturday is just a full blown packed day, but I think Saturday is the day that me and Brie might be splitting up. Yeah. Because there's some things like, I really want to go to the Ancient Aliens, the best evidence with host George Norrie mm-hmm. at 2.40. Yeah. And I feel like you are not going to go to that. No, not at all. What are you going to go to? Um, I think I want to see Laura Eisenhower. She's doing something at the same time. Only because like I've 
the past two years, Ancient Aliens, the best evidence has always done a panel, and I'm always just always. like, snooze. So we'll be splitting up for that one, which is actually good, because that's more things that we will be able to bring to you guys. Yeah, I think it would be cool. You know, you go to that, I go to this, and then it's like two bodies and, you know, two different places, as opposed to if we both go to one. Yeah, no, definitely. There'll be more information, and it'd be, we'll, we'll be able to have more opportunities to talk to more people, I think, which is going to be a good thing. So, yeah, we're super excited about Contact. Alien Con's right after. So, we're trying to get you guys in the mode to, like, start sending us questions and, you know, lectures you want to see or stuff you want us to record to bring to you guys. This is what we want and what we need, and so we want to hear from you guys so we know what to bring to you. Like, me and Brie know what we're interested in and what things we want to go see, but we also want to be able to bring, you know, whatever you guys want back as well. Something that you guys are interested in that maybe we don't even think about. Speaking of things that you guys are interested in and want to know more about, we did post on our Instagram what kind of topics you guys would like to hear, and you guys did a wonderful job of getting back to us. Definitely. Overwhelming. Yeah, so many comments and DMs and stuff. And me and Brie have kind of picked some random things from it today and some things that have been on our mind, and we're going to have a, you know, a little random episode of just some some drippy drops and some some shit. Yeah, some current events and what's going on in the world. So why don't you kick it off, Brie? I think something that I've been hearing a lot from the people people the people people is ancient things. Uh, yes. Which is surprising. There's a lot of different directions that can go in, but I think some things we'll really have to get into in other episodes. I know people are very curious about Atlantis. Oh, that's a good one too. I know. That takes it to a whole own episode. It'll probably well, be we'll two episodes and all that. We really, we really will do that next. We really, yeah. That? We'll plan yeah, that. Yeah, people for have next. wanted to talk about, you know, like ancient monuments and ancient technologies. And there's been a lot of interest I've seen with our truth seekers of wanting to know more about that. And that's definitely what's funny about it is that's kind of what brought me and Brie really into the world of aliens per se is the show ancient aliens where they talk about all of these ancient things and the connections to you know space and so it's interesting that a lot of our listeners want to hear about that because that's where it really all started for us i think it's one thing when you just believe in aliens and the current things but then when you have a show that puts together evidence of ancient tales Mm-hmm. And like what's written in the Bible or the Torah or different Renaissance art. When they start to pull these ancient stories and then they link it to aliens then too, I think people start to believe more because then they realize that this isn't a current thing that's happening now. It's been documented since the beginning of time. It's been happening to ancient people then and it's happening to us now. So it's not just this new thing like all of a sudden it's a new fad of aliens. No, this has been documented yeah, for a absolutely. very, very long time. I think that's what kind of the fascination of it though. It's like I think a lot of people maybe assume aliens are like a newer creation. Like oh no, we we just as a society eventually made them up and you know we've been been rolling with it ever since. And it's like no, if you look back into the beginnings of you know when mankind was created you look at these cave paintings and things like that you see things like what look like astronauts or bird people or like Mm -hmm. all these weird things that you know ufologists and scientists and you know people in our, our community boiled down and they're like no this is like aliens guys and i think it's also cool to change the narrative of something of being just a myth or a fable to let's turn the knob to maybe an extraterrestrial well and let's put some scientific facts behind it and all of a sudden it starts to fit in perfectly like a missing puzzle piece yeah the more and more you dig and the more and more you scrape around you start to realize holy shit this could be real. Let's give like a perfect example of something I wanted to talk about this episode. The fucking Sphinx. 
the sphinxes sphinxes the sphinx was a recommendation from covert nerd lee go check out his podcast guys so everybody thinks that the sphinx was this thing that was carved by the egyptians and it's like an egyptian god it has like the body of a lion and the head of a human and it's in egypt and it's whatever well scientists as scientists do never like anyone to ever conclude anything and they always want to ask more questions there's this dude named john anthony west who in 1992 was real interested in the sphinx and he just died this year did he he did rip 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 john anthony west he's an author and an independent egyptologist and in 1992 he was staring at the sphinx and he was staring at it and he was like you know the fuck this is some really <laughs> interesting weathering that we have going on here on this stone and he goes i don't think that it was from wind and sand erosion that's mm -hmm. not where my head's at i assume that it's water i'm not an expert in the field but by looking at it i think it's water so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna take a picture of the sphinx and i'm gonna go find someone who's an expert in erosion and i'm gonna ask them their opinion so he goes to this dude who's his friend who's an expert in checking out how things are weathered and he goes hey if i bring you a picture could you look at it and tell me how it got to where it is. What was it sun? Was it wind? Was it water? Would you be able to tell me what caused this erosion? And the dude's like, yeah, absolutely. John Anthony West takes a picture of the Sphinx and he puts duct tape over the top and the bottom of it so you can only see the bottom. You can't see the head and you can't see the paws. And he shows it to this dude and he's like, what is this weathering from? And the guy says, without a doubt, water erosion. And he said not just water erosion, but he said heavy rainfall mm -hmm. is what eroded this. So he took off the tape from the top and the bottom and showed the dude that it was the Sphinx. And his reaction, all he could say was, oh, like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Big oh, shit. So he sees this and he's like, the fuck is this? This is crazy. How could this be possible? So then he gets together with Dr. Robert Schock. Dr. Robert Schock was a professor at Boston University. I believe he was a geologist. A geologist, yes. He's a geologist. And they kind of partnered together. And same thing with him. The first time that he ever saw the Sphinx thought, whoa, this stuck out to him like crazy like this is water erosion this is not just wind and sand and this is without a doubt water erosion and not just water erosion heavy rainfall i think they even like, said like not... a thousand years of heavy heavy rainfall is what would have caused this type of erosion not just like a rainy winter it was exactly. like heavy downfall for over a thousand years mm -hmm. would have caused this type of erosion yeah so he comes on the scene and he's kind of right behind john anthony west and he's like i I feel you, something's not right here. And before we continue, what you need to understand about Egypt and the pyramids and all this stuff is the Egyptian government <laughs> is very, cray cray. very secretive when it comes Controlling. to the- Controlling. Yes, when it comes to the pyramids. They say that it is erosion from sand and wind and that's just what it is. And if you try to say that that is not true, they will fight you to the death, basically, and be like, nah, that's not what it is. So these two people in this field are basically trying to be like, hey, yo, we are rewriting history right now exactly. by coming up with this. And so what Robert Schock concluded is by, you know, carbon dating and doing all these tests and everything that he could was he assumed that the only possible way that the structure could have this type of weathering on it and how it could be eroded the way that it was is that it had to be around about 12,000 years ago 
before we assume it was built. Way before. It would have been the very end of the last Ice Age. Yeah, okay, so the mainstream Egyptologists believe that the Sphinx was built by the Egyptians during the Khafre reign, which would have been 2558 BC, mm -hmm. roughly, about that time. And what Robert Shocks is saying is he's saying that he assumes that it was at the end of the last ice age that this would have been built. So we're assuming that people aren't even really around necessarily. Mm -hmm. It predates what we believe is to be history when when man was even around. Just it completely rewrites everything. Yeah, so this time period is about 10,000 BC is what we're talking here. So 10,000 BC before, you know, the invention of the wheel basically, mm -hmm. before mankind even breathed, he's assuming that there this piece of stone was there, carved in some way, and that's why it was eroded. Right, it wasn't around where this dynasty even occurred. No, and what's funny about it too is what, what even further backs up his claims that it's older than it is, is that if you look at the Sphinx, there are several times where the Sphinx was fixed. Yes. Where there was plaster or whatever put over the outside in order to fix cracks and things like that. But the time and with in which this was done doesn't make any sense if the Sphinx was built in 2558 BC right. or whatever it is that I said. They wouldn't have had to do that multiple times. It would have been in great condition. It should have been brand new. So why is it only five or six years after this thing was brandly new built, they're making repairs to it already? So there's that that you have going on. How about the fact that when you look at the Sphinx, the head that's on it now looks, looks like incredibly it. small compared to the rest of the body. Back around 10,000 BC was, surprise, surprise, the age of the Leo. And it just so happens that scientists believe that the Sphinx was always just a lion. Mm -hmm. And that it's been there for thousands and thousands of years. And by the time the Egypts got around to that area, there was still a lion. But what they did is they recarved the head into a human. Into their pharaoh. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so in this age of the Leo, where the constellation would have been itself, it would have been completely looking back at it. So if you were to rewind the time itself and the placement of the stars, the constellation Leo would be looking directly at the Sphinx. It would be a mirror image of itself. Exactly, a mirror image. And we already know these kind of dots when we think about the pyramids of Giza in particular, that it aligns perfectly with Orion. Mm -hmm. So if we were to continue that, the Sphinx just perfectly aligning with the constellation of Leo. And I think we know that these ancient people, they always mapped where the stars were. Where the were. stars were. They always linked the stars with everything. And I think they always, anytime that they built something of significance, it always reflects back from the stars. What's interesting about all of this, and you have to remember how all of this ties in, is that in 10,000 BC, where Egypt sits now would have been a beautiful jungle forest that would have had nothing but constant downpours. And so that's where you get this erosion from. So that's why they're concluding. And what's important about this, this being so significant, is that this is a piece of a monument that's been around for thousands of years and has seen the world in a ton of different climates. How quickly and how fast it can change from this beautiful, luscious, full of life jungle to now the bare deserts where there's no water. Yeah, the Sahara Desert is dry if... So I think it's just really showing the progression of time again, that time is 
something that we don't really understand or can really comprehend because now it's freaking everybody out like oh my god if this was built that long ago there's so much about the world that we don't know and we've been trying to say that to you guys for freaking ever now like even with let's just say the pyramids in general and the small amount of information we do have I mean we have a physical pyramid with everything intact in there and all the paintings on the walls and we still have nothing but questions mm -hmm. we have all the answers in front of us and yet we still have no idea what's going on so imagine all of the things that have gotten buried over have gotten cycled through this earth that we don't have a physical grasp on that we still have all these questions about. Yeah, and I think when Robert Schock was doing, I think they did seismographs to see what was going on underneath the sand and whatnot. They detected a cavity. That's where the fun part happens. And, but what's interesting about this is if we were to like link it to more of the metaphysical side, Edgar Cayce, the great psychic Edgar Cayce, he talked about these Hall of Records and he spoke specifically about the Hall of Records being underneath the right paw of the Sphinx. And then after when Robert Schock does the seismograph and then they come up with this cavity that's under the right side of the paw of the Sphinx, it's like a genius reflection of someone that said this a million years ago, basically, and then to now someone in current day coming up with almost like evidence that that does exist. Oh, exactly. It's, it's very interesting that so they were trying to like figure out what was going on, stumbled upon that there might be this cavity under the paw, and then all of a sudden they were kicked out of Egypt and weren't allowed to come back or do any more tests. And it's been rumored there's been lots of tests going on by the Egyptian government and, you know, the Egyptologists and stuff trying to figure out what kind of cavity is down there and it's said that it's something that's man-made. It's something that wasn't originally there when the statue was first built and they, a lot of people speculate that whatever is in there is probably some sort of record of our past. So yeah, when Brie talks about these hall of records, that's what she's kind of referencing. She's referencing this amount of knowledge that could be down there, and it's sad that we're never gonna be able to get a chance to really read it, understand it, and learn from it. Yeah, because there's talks of after Atlantis fell that the remaining people moved to Egypt and they they buried these records into this chamber. And this would be recorded history of the time when humans were made, fell, rose again, fell, made back again. It would it would be all of our history that is not even into any of our history books. Yeah, like we we talk about this great flood that happened and a lot if you look at a lot of religions, a lot of religions have this like quote unquote Every single great religion. flood. Yeah. But the funny part of it is is that was just one of many. It's happened so many times before that. This wasn't just the only one. This isn't the only catastrophe that we've had on Earth. There's a possibility that we had an entire civilization that's as intelligent as we are now that destroyed themselves and we've built on top of them. Wasn't there an Egyptian priest that also mentioned these these records in this hall of records? Well, so what it's saying is that inside of inside of this chamber is there's a possibility that the records of the Egyptian priests are inside there. That's something that we've never been able to like physically have access to. We never had an exact succession of who was this and who was this and who was this. And they're said that inside of those are the archives of all the priests of Egypt and all of, you know, Egypt since the beginning of time. I thought that Plato spoke to the Egyptian priest and he was telling him about the beginning of time and about all the different histories and that he laughed at him when he was saying that it didn't start where it was and that in the hall of of records is the stories of all the rebirth of mankind and it all comes down to these alligator kings so alligator kings are we talking reptiles absolutely 
So it seems to be like this common theme that you kind of go back through a lot of these cave paintings and even when you're looking at like, you know, the Mayans or the Aztec and stuff like that, you see a lot of these like reptilian creatures and a lot of their cave drawings and stuff like that are even, you know, carved into monuments. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting link that continues throughout society that at one point all of these different civilizations and all of these different areas are all kind of had these same core things that they saw. Absolutely. Reptiles, that could be the Anunnaki, I guess. But yeah, I think it all happens to be the same. Like, it has to be the same. You know what I mean? Like, the, the coincidences are way too strong. I think that's when you, you come down to all these different religions, too. You see so many similarities in all of these things. At the end of the day, they're all the exact same thing, just put into different words. It has to be. Everyone's different interpretation of it. But, yeah, the core principles are always the same. Yeah, I think if we would start to, you know, take things like religions and cave paintings and sculptures and all these ancient things, and maybe instead of, like, saying that, oh, these are only the Egyptians or these are only this group of peoples, why don't we take all of these artifacts and all of these things we have and look at them wholly? Because maybe that's why we aren't getting the full picture. Yeah. And maybe if we spread it all out instead of separating it, like, these people did this or these right. people did this, and you look at just all of the information, maybe the story will start to click for everybody. Absolutely. I think that's a really good idea. That sounds like a shit ton of work. But I'm sure there's tons of scholars out there that are down to get into it. Oh, I'm, sh I'm sure that someone somewhere is applying for a grant to look <laughs> at this shit already. Or if they haven't, they're listening to this now and they are now online applying for a grant to do that. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, because it makes sense. I mean, you know, I even think about something that we all know now, like let's just throw out there President Trump. If we were to each draw a picture, a painting of what we think he looks like. There's like core similarities, right? But each drawing is going to differ from one another. Oh, yeah. I think it has to be the same thing. It has to be the same type of beings or whoever they called gods. And there's a little bit of differences between all of them, but overall, it's the same fucking picture. Over and over and over again. Yeah. I think it would be cool to get into the whole Anunnaki story. I think that it has to start there. 100%. I agree. All right, so let's bring it back to the Sphinx. And I kind of have a little bit of a funny story for you guys. So it's taken us more than one day to record this episode. And the first time we recorded and we were talking about Egypt and the Sphinx and stuff, we have this thing in our life, call it synchronicities. I call it the government stalking us. Oh my gosh. Um, where we'll talk about something and it won't even be released or on the air or anything. Mm -hmm. And then like the next day, something will come out in the news or we'll get an email or like, yeah. and, it, and it just links dots and I think it's really funny that the day after we recorded got a friend request on my personal Instagram which is a little weird because you guys know like my inst my personal is private I don't really add a lot of people I'm not on it that much so I found it interesting that I had this friend request and so I go and I look at who it is Rami Romani is that how you say his name Rami Romani and I'm like okay click who is this jokes on me he's an Egyptologist yeah he's gonna be at contact this year he's this Egyptologist he's in Egypt. He's in Egypt whatever. He's all about the Egypt life. <laughs> whatever. I don't know anything about him personally. Okay? He's pro. So I'm like looking at this and I'm like, we just talked about Egypt last night. Like we mm -hmm. just talked about this. So I immediately screenshot it and send it to Brie. And I'm like, Brie, this is on my personal account that this Egyptologist is trying to add me. And she's like, oh no, it's probably because like on our podcast Instagram page, I added all of his colleagues. So he probably like found us on there and like saw you were tagged in something. And I was like, no, Brie, we're not following him on our podcast page. He's not following us. I went and followed him after he did the, the add me. And I was like, and do you 
you have a request from no. him? And she was like, no. I'm like, oh, he doesn't like me. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting because even on like my personal page, there's not too many like alienty, kooky right. things. So there was no way, shape, or form that he would have found me. Yeah. Being a private account. I don't use hashtags if he anyone's noticed. He doesn't just noticed. go and just add random people. Yeah, and who just, who, what famous person just goes and adds random people? So I thought it was really interesting. So I sent him a message. So I'm going to read the message to you guys. I said, thanks so much for the follow. Synchronicities. I host a podcast and recorded an episode last night on the Sphinx, and I got a follow request from you. The universe works in strange ways. Question. Do you believe the weathering and erosion on the body of the Sphinx is from wind and sand or heavy rain? He left me unread. Ooh, he read it and didn't reply. Yeah, he read it and didn't reply. Sketch. So Joke's on you. We're going to see you at contact. <laughs> so, and be like, do you remember this? Uh, are you trying to play me, bro? So literally, <laughs> literally, what I was thinking was, oh my God, I'm going to find him at contact and corner him and be yeah. like, hey, buddy, What's let's up? have a conversation. <laughs> do you know the NSA agent who listens to all my phone conversations? <laughs> Is that you why know, you Carl? added me? That's I was deal. talking shit about Egypt and Egyptologists. What you got to say, bro? Exactly. You didn't even That's, answer my question. It's pretty funny. I wonder why he didn't respond. That's so weird. And he's still, like, he's still following me. Because I check every day to so see, what like... what the hell? Because sometimes, sometimes famous people will, like, add a bunch of people... And then once you add them back, they go and delete all those people oh, and make their followers go up. Yeah. So I keep checking back to his page to see if maybe he was doing that. But he keeps following me. And I'm kind of like, ooh, What's are you a here, government bud? spy? Are you an Egypt government ooh, spy? Are you an imposter? Ooh, imposter. <laughs> exactly. So I thought that that was a little interesting spin. Ooh, yeah, like Sphinx. Yeah, the spin. spin. <laughs> that was a little interesting spin on the situation that, like, we happened to record it. We didn't even finish the episode. And, like, literally I woke up to that and I was like, this is so so weird. So weird. This isn't the first time stuff like this has happened to us, though. Like, there's been so many times where we've recorded something or, like, something that we haven't even put out. And it's, like, we just see things, like, in the news and we're, like, we just talked about that. And yeah. they're trying to disprove it. Like, exactly. it's so interesting. And they're trying to disprove it. You know, it's funny. This is something really small, but I watch Westworld and the episode that was released yesterday was called Riddle of the Sphinx. Stop. Swear. Really? I'm like, Josh, look at the episode title. It's Riddle of the Sphinx. He's like, yeah. I'm like, hello? We're recording an episode on the Sphinx. That's like a thing. Whatever the fuck the Riddle of the Sphinx is. No one knows what the hell's going on with the Sphinx. And it's the episode name. He's just, you know, shrugs. Like, shrugs. No. He's like, whatever. I said, you don't understand. The universe is so hardcore with these coincidences that it's not a coincidence. It's not anymore. Like, a lot of people talk about synchronicities and, and coincidences and things like that. And honestly, I just think that when stuff like this happens to us... It means that we're on the right path and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. It has to mean something deeper, yeah. Yeah, like w if we, for for this dude who's an Egyptologist who I don't know and apparently is going to be in contact, yep. for him to just like randomly follow me for no reason, the day after we recorded about the Sphinx was like super interesting. Super interesting. Even even more peculiar that he, it was just you that he requested. And yeah. I would have been more like, oh, okay, if it was a podcast or whatever, but it wasn't. It was just you. That's why, and the first thing I said to find. her was, it was on my personal account. Oh, like, the fuck? The fuck? Also, you know, Robert Shock is going to be at, at Contact. I think he's actually doing a lecture since John Anthony West died this year. I think he's doing like a, a tribute. A tribute? We'll yeah. have to, we'll a, have to a, peep a that. tribute. We'll have to peep that a little bit. Ooh, maybe we can be like a couple of what? Sir. Sir, sir, can I ask you some questions? I was actually looking at the pictures of the big difference in the erosion because if you explain this to someone else, they're just kind of like, how, uh, how do you know? So what? It really could have just been rain and sand. And I was watching these pictures 
side by side, explain the different markings in rock of when it's just wind and sand and it's almost horizontal mm-hmm. and then of course when it's rainfall it's, it's vertical. vertical yeah and it's just was very compelling to see the two side by side images of, of the rock making those formations and it's just it's clear it's like whoa of course how do you not see that well that brings it back to you know when when John Anthony West originally brought the photo of the sphinx to the guy who was the expert in weathering he said without a doubt yeah Barely even had to look at it was like water. Yeah, it's crazy. And then when he rips off those tapes and the guy's like, oh. Yeah, he didn't want anything to do with that. Nope. Sorry. Never mind. I take that back. Tiptoes back. It's Mm -hmm. interesting that their big debate, you know, is really because it's a geologist against Egyptologists. And I think it's really that you're taking something away from them. You know, what they study is like cultural art and the civilization, the history of the different civilizations. And so when you take that away, they're just very protective of it. No, 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 no. This is, Egyptians did this, Egyptians did this. And I think it's just, they don't want to retract. They don't want to take that away. It's, it well, yeah, be because then it's like their life. Their life's work is like meaningless and yeah. doesn't mean anything. But it's sad that they're stuck in those ways. Mm-hmm. Because I think with as brilliant as a lot of these Egyptologists are, if they would be pushed in the right direction to look at the things they should be looking at, instead of being so like. They're closed-minded and set in their ways. Not even that they're closed-minded. I think that they're not allowed to think outside of the box. Right. It's like, this is the box, and you may think inside of it. They don't have that opportunity to go out of that. And so I think that if they had that opportunity to, like, actually speak up, maybe this Egyptologist, the reason he didn't answer me is because he can't. No, he, he can. can't. We don't know. We'll but find out. I also think it's sad because I think that's what it comes down to with a lot of researchers, you know? All of these different people, even scientists, I think you... You get stuck in how much you know and how much proof you had at a certain point that when another new idea new comes idea you. and new evidence for that, you're just like, no, no you, ha- want you just want to disprove. And that kind of the whole point of how and, and why they got into what they're doing is to make those new discoveries. Mm-hmm. And they just stop themselves from making those new discoveries. Also, I know that they struggle because they don't have a civilization then to point to. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, then show me. Show me the civilization that did it. You can't. There's there's no one in that time. Mm-hmm. And that's another, in my opinion, I just think that's another way of them being closed-minded. Like, it's okay not to know. That's half, you that's know, the, the mystery fun, yeah, in Yeah, that's this. the fun of science. And what a lot of people get into science for is because there's never really an answer. It's just questions after questions after questions. And you get to keep asking them and keep digging. And I think that that's the problem with some scientists is they get some sort of an answer. And they're like, that's it. We got it. Next, please. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What if there's more? What if someone smarter than you comes, Mm -hmm. you know, 20,000 years from now and just shatters whatever the fuck it is you thought? Even think about the scientific stuff that they figured out 200, 300 years ago. We're leaps and bounds over that shit now. Don't get me wrong. Some of it is still very valid, but we've also been able to take it way further and figure things out. Not necessarily saying that those people are wrong. With the information you had and the technology you had in front of you, you came to the only answer you could come to. Now that I have more at my disposal, I have more information, I have more technology, and I'm mm-hmm. able to do and freely trade information more, I found out other things about it. Exactly. And people get so locked into, no, these are my beliefs. And this exactly. is what I believe. And it's like science doesn't have room for beliefs. Uh, absolutely. It has room for evidence. 
give me some more. If they don't have a civilization to point to to take credit for it, wouldn't that just open up a whole nother adventure of places for them to look? Who knows if they find more evidence? What if they find other artifacts deep hidden somewhere where they would never look and then they do discover a whole other civilization that they didn't know even existed? And that's the sad part and they probably have found that and we're never really going to definitively know. know. I'm sure that there's people out there who know and there's people who theorize about it, like Antarctica. We know nothing about Antarctica, but how many myths and legends are out there about Mm -hmm. what goes down in Antarctica? Half of the shit you hear is probably true, but we're never going to have a way to prove it, or the world is never going to have that knowledge because it's being kept secret. That's what kind of drives me crazy. Like, I will call some shit out on Neil deGrasse Tyson. As much as I love that motherfucker, he says, <laughs> I do, I really, really, I I love what he's doing for the world. He's getting more and more people to talk about space every day and that's what's important. But what I dislike about him is, you know, when people ask him about the existence of aliens, he's like, well, yeah, statistically, there's probably aliens, but he's like, but I don't think they've come here. And it's right. like, well, why don't you think they come here? Well, that's not a secret the world could keep. There's no way. Well, okay, Antarctica. We don't know what the fuck that goes on there. And there's hundreds of people who, like, work at these buildings and these, you know, quote-unquote research centers or, you know. And it's like, we have no idea what any of that shit is. None of it. So what do you mean that somebody couldn't hide a secret? Yeah, especially since that's not his area of expertise. He's not going to go looking in that direction. So I think it would have been better for him to say, I don't know because I don't look into it, rather than there's no proof that they've even been here before. Yeah, because I don't think you can you can't say that there's been no proof because I think that you're there's determining you're determining what is or isn't proof at that point. To a certain point, all of these people, they do get very stuck in kind of a rigid mindset. Mm-hmm. And it does drive me crazy that to a certain extent, there's always going to be people in general that are going to keep knowledge at a certain point. Yeah. I think... That's how you keep us controlled. And it's You horrible. keep a cap on our knowledge, yeah. so therefore we stay dumb. We stay scared, we stay confused, and so we're easier to control. Like you said earlier, that you're sure there's people out there that probably know exactly what's going on. So who's to say that majority of Egyptologists these days might have actually found proof and God knows what they even do with it. Like what well, if what do you do with it? What yeah. if they're like, oh fuck, hell no, hide it under the pillow. Well then you know? have the whole next part of it. You do know the truth, and then you go out there and try to tell it to people, and everyone thinks you're batshit crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Like, no, no, yeah. that's no no, that's not like that. Then you have these gaslighting campaigns by governments where they're, you know, trying to make it seem like these people don't know what they're talking about or their evidence isn't valid or you shouldn't listen to them. That's just a crazy person. And at the end of the day, it's like we're never going to get answers to anything ever. That's really unfortunate. I guess it just takes more open-minded people that are going to look at all the evidence and say, yeah, that works, that works, that works. It's okay. We don't need to stick with one thing. Yeah. You know, because... They're just stopping themselves, and really, they're just stopping the rest of us from knowing a whole nother truth. And God knows what else is out there that we just have no idea about. Honestly, seriously, as we always say here, and we'll close out with this, anything's possible. Anything is possible. All right, guys, let's get into my favorite part of the episode, Factor Sci-Fi. All right, Brie, our factor sci-fi today is, is there life on Europa? The scientific community is taking a lot of the old data that we've studied about Europa and is kind of like re-going over it to try to make sense of it. So Europa is one of the moons of Jupiter. 
just so everyone knows. And it's almost completely water underneath its icy crust, almost completely. Mm-hmm. We know that Europa has a lot of ingredients that are necessary for life. We know that there's water, we know that there's energy, and there's some amount of carbon material. Technically, there's all the signs of what would make life. So is there life? Dun, dun, dun. And I'm gonna have to go out on a limb and say, ooh, fact. Okay, Here's wait, my- already there, like chilling around? Yeah. Or like eventually, like tiny organisms and then eventually we'll Okay, be- so that's what we're getting into though. Ah. That's the problem. If there's water, Water is like the number one ingredient of life, right? You can kind of throw anything into water and you're going to get life. You don't need, you know, Mm -hmm. oxygen. We've proven that with fish life and things that live in the deep ocean, right? Yeah. So there's obviously some sort of a hot core to this moon or else there wouldn't be geysers shooting up out through the ocean. True. So you have heat, you have water, some sort of carbon there. So I don't understand why there wouldn't be life already in this ocean. And what makes me think that is because if you look at our own ocean, how much of it is unexplored and how many different species of life that are in the deep part of the ocean where there's no sunlight Uh, and it's cold uh, or like, you know, near lava outpours, there's stuff that lives there and we have no idea. So I don't think that there could be absolutely nothing inside of Europa. Very true. That doesn't make sense to me. Even if there's only small microbes at the very bottom of that ocean, I consider that life. And a lot of people, especially in the scientific community, are like, oh, but the conditions there are horrible. But it's like... Oh, my God, again. Again with this shit, guys. Have you been to the bottom of our ocean? (laughs) No, you haven't. It's probably horrible down there. There's crazy amounts of pressure. There's zero sunlight. There's not really food to eat. Like, what grows down there? We don't know. So why is it that people are just so like, "Mm, no, can't have life there? I get Mars. Like, people looking at Mars as just a planet being like, wow, there couldn't be anything there. I don't see anything. I get that. But when you're talking about something like Europa, there's no way you can just flat out be like, well, look at it. No. Yeah, you can't do that with this. I agree. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fact it. What about you? I'm gonna fact it. Fuck yes. You know what? The double fucking, fact. Double fact. Double fact. The fact that you brought in our oceans, like you could bring that in any argument, and then I'll probably fact it because <laughs> the our oceans, oceans are yeah. the scariest fucking thing to me. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, we don't know shit about our oceans really. Well, it's like okay, so like mountains, right? We could fly a drone up to a mountain or climb a mountain. We cannot get to the bottom of the yeah, ocean. That's just as a person, the amount of pressure that's down there, you'd explode. They have a hard time taking equipment down there. Submarines can't even go that long, so that low. Scary. So it's like, yeah, mm. it's something that maybe in hundreds of years from now we'll be able to explore. But as of right now, it's the biggest unexplored territory of our planet. That's terrifying to me. I think I you actually just triggered a dream that I had not that long ago that I was swimming and I looked down and it was like so fucking dark. I think that's because since I'm going to Hawaii soon, I thought about swimming with the sharks because it terrifies, terrifies me. Mm-hmm. And then there was all these shark attacks and then I was like, no, I'll just keep this, you know, <laughs> I'll keep the fear. That's fine. I'll hold on to it. Luckily in Hawaii, it's not dark and all the water is crystal clear. Still, I think, I just think that's why I was dreaming about it. Like, nope, nope, not going in the water in Hawaii. I I was looking down and it was like to a black bottomless pit and just being like, oh my God, because you don't know what the hell is under there. It could be portals. Hot portals. (laughs) Throwback. Throwback. Hot portals. If you're an avid listener, you'll know that one. (laughs) T-shirt's coming soon. Yeah. All right, so we both facted it. It's a double fucking fact fact. A double fucking fact fact. Woo woo. <laughs> Sticker coming to that too. Bree, why don't we get into the, you know, more zen part of the episode? The conscious quote of the day. 
This week's conscious quote of the day is going to be from the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Give it to me. What I hate is ignorance, smallness of imagination, the eye that sees no further than its own lashes. All things are possible. Who you are is limited only by who you think you are. Fucking genius. Yeah, I like that see farther than its own lashes shit. I, I do. See what's more than just at your arm's reach. There's a limit on your imagination. I think it has a lot to do with what we even were talking about just a minute ago. Mm-hmm. That even in Egyptology, they're kind of close-minded to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. There's no imagination there. And you guys they're have, just set in their ways. Yeah, and you guys have to see what's just in front of you. You need to go beyond that. Especially with Egypt in general, all of the pyramids. I mean, that's like the greatest mystery. I know. Everyone's always like, who built the pyramids? I want to get into how I think the pyramids are giant energy plants that are a way to give free wireless energy. You so we'll get into that. We'll maybe get into how we think they're spaceships. We can get, I mean, you can I think the so energy. Many. I think the evidence for the energy is actually pretty rock solid. It actually yeah, is it really, really, is. really, really fucking rock solid. And yeah. it's baffling that people dismiss it so much. Because it's one of those new discoveries as well. Mm-hmm. People, oh, it just makes me so angry thinking about it. I know. All right, guys, let's uh, get into our favorite part of the episode. Let's do some shout outs. I want to start off by saying happy birthday to Brian Jackson. Happy birthday, boo. He just turned 34. Ooh, ooh. Jesus Christ, you're so fucking old. 34, you dirty whore. I'm just ooh. kidding. <laughs> saucy with yeah. it. But we love you. We love you dearly. We hope you have a fantastic birthday. Love you. Shout out to Blue Alien Mystic. Barry, as always. Shout out to Designs by Perry. Hey, John. John, we love you. Shout out to Ollie V, Veronica. Hey, boo-boos. Shout out to Frank Zen. Hey, Frank. Shout out to Raya. Raya. Soon. Soon. We got like a... I don't oh my know. God, two weeks at the most? Yeah, two weeks at the most. We're like a week when you hear, oh, when she hears this, it'll be 13 days. Oh, shit. 13 days from now, boo-boo. We got you. Holy Shout crap. out to AP at Weather Traditions. Hey, AP. Shout out to Seeking Truth 37. Hey, yo. Shout out to Callie underscore girl. Mm-hmm. Shout out to CA Farms. Hey. Shout out to Destiny from Space. We, we got love you. your beautiful package. She has the most amazing gift that she gave us. Yeah, so you guys will hear it in the next episode. We're, we'll go more into it. Because so we we'll, want to go, yeah, each item by item. Yeah. Shout out to at Wokemore. Yeah. Shout out to 123 Elizabeth. Shout out to my friend Alex. Hey, what's up, boo boo? <laughs> Shout out to Solas Valerius. Again, no idea how to say your name. DM us with something you want us to call you. Bet you to mom. Shout out to Ashley at Momboats. Um, shout out to Ugly Gert. Gert. Shout out to Oscar Faraway. Hey, Oscar Boo Boo. We love you. You're hella cool. You look like a great time. Let's hang out soon. He like mm-hmm. lives it up every day. I know he does. He's a partier. Shout out to at one gram. Hey, Drew. Hey, Drew. Shout out to Space Funky Fresh. Shout out to the clout. The clout. William. <laughs> shout out to Covert Nerd. Lee, we miss you. We love you. Shout out to Cox. Go <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to at Benji loves you. Um, we love you, Benji. 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 Something should have arrived at your door by now. Let's hope so. If you've got it, DM us. Please do. Shout out to Good the, Bad the, Standard Podcast, which is the good, good the, the bad, bad, the just, just plain standard. standard podcast. Yes. Specifically to you, Yan. Hi, Yan. We love you. Um, ha. Shout out to at Rock the Shots. You. Shout out to It Can Only Be Jared. It Someone can else. only be Jared. Jared. And 
And shout out to Mike at the Great Geek Refuge Podcast. Yo, shout out to that. You sexy silver fox, yo. Ooh. Shout out to two schmucks and a mite. Two schmucks, no fucks. No fucks at all. All right, guys. If we forgot you, we apologize. Aggressively DM us. Uh, you guys can Please hit do. us up on Instagram at that one time I was abducted. You can shoot us an email at that one time I was abducted at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and whatever other social media platforms we, to this day, and continuously ignore. But please don't forget to give us an awesome five-star rating on iTunes. Hey that yo. would make our world. Yes. Uh, so, um, before we go, I just want to say, fuck you, Mountain View, California. Just before we go, I'd like to say, Malib- Mountain View, <laughs> Malibu, <laughs> Malibu, California. <laughs> <laughs> Mountain View, we love you. We love you, NASA. You're doing such a great job. <laughs> Goodbye, <Not>. guys. <laughs> not, not really. We have allergies. Um, I'm pregnant with triplets. I just grew a seventh toe on one foot. I haven't had sex in over a year, but triplets. Uh, I bleached my anus, and then I got an allergic reaction from it. Yeah. Bree- and then I tried to eat the bleach. Yeah, Bree's boyfriend, uh, fiancé, bleached his asshole, <laughs> and Bree went to go lick it. She had a horrible reaction to the bleach, and so now she has a horrible infection inside of her mouth. It looks like she has, like, six tumors. It's really and bad. And now I have AIDS. And now she has AIDS, yeah. Our life's been going good. Yeah. <laughs> So weird. So weird. Okay, so let's reel it in. Let's reel it. Scoop diddy poop diddy poop. Scoop diddy poop poop whoop. What the fuck's up? I love him. He's dad. I got his name. Daddy Dolan. Oh, Daddy Dolan. I like it. We'll get shirts made. <laughs>